0: Hey, everybody. Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. They demand my ego, but I won't go I... On tonight's show, we have Law Smith. Uh, Law and I go kind of way back, and then there's like a decade of not talking to each other, not because anything horrible happened, but just because we have our own lives, but... Uh, most recently, I had the opportunity to appear on his podcast. Uh, is it the Sweat Equity podcast or Sweat Equity podcast? It could be
1: The Ohio State. The it uh, could be, it, Sweat <laughs> Equity is fine.
0: But, uh, I was on that show last night. It was really cool. And he and I have been chatting a lot. Law is a lot of things. He is a uh, stand up comedian. Uh, he works locally, uh, doing a lot of marketing and advertising for different clients. Um, he's been involved with a lot of different promotions, different live venues, and things like that locally. Um, and now he's got this podcast that's going on. I first met him. I, I was trying to put a date on when they got married. It was before I had kids. So it had to be like 2012, 2013, thereabouts. Your cousin? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so the listeners know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's fucked them. This is, this is for me. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. My
0: cousin. So, so your cousin was
1: my college like um duplex mate. Right. Um and we became really good uh bffs and took her to the uh, went to Auburn and took her to the last game, which is Iron Bowl, as my date, which is like that's a, like in a weird way, kind of a big deal, wouldn't you think that kind of tradition's out the window. Yeah. Um but love her uh forever since we we start we've became friends and um went to her wedding. I think it was like Twenty eleven, September. I remember it was hot. right. That's all I can remember. But I remember hot you being, South
0: Carolina.
1: I remember you being funny and, and living in Tampa and she wanted to get us to meet each other. And I think I had just moved back. So
0: are you from Tampa originally? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How did you how did you end up at Auburn?
1: Um, I couldn't get into UF.
0: <laughs> so oh, is that what it is? <laughs> but so I graduated <laughs> Is that a, like diet UF or something? My, my
1: whole family went <laughs> to UF. My dad, if you want to Google Larry Smith, uh Running back, he was like badass running back there. Whole family went there. Both my older sisters went there. Um, and by the time I graduated – I graduated 02. And by the time I started to apply before that year, uh, like you had to have a 1250 SAT. It, it Like it was way tougher than when both my sisters applied. I would applied.
0: never – yeah, I would never get into a law school. Well, I,
1: I was a C plus student until I – I got into Auburn's entrepreneurship classes and everything kind of clicked. I was always good at math, but uh, any of the English side, you know, language arts side, I was rough.
0: Do you have brothers and sisters? Two older sisters. Uh, what are their names?
1: Ansley and Anderson.
0: Okay. How much older?
1: Uh, 10 and six years older.
0: So one's like my age and one's a little bit older. I'm yeah. 45. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I was an oops baby, yeah.
0: An oops baby, yeah. Um, tell me about your parents. What were their professions? What did they do? What's their story?
1: Uh, dad played professional football. Um,
0: Who do you now You mentioned UF, but where did he go from there? He
1: was uh, nineteen sixty nine draft drafted eighth overall. OJ was one. He was oh, eight wow. to the Rams, the L A Rams. Um, uh, third running back I think in that draft, and then. Played there for five years. Went to the Washington Redskins for a year. All banged up. Uh, he was a, when he was in college. He was a Playboy All American. Um, and I like. There's a picture of him with OJ. Oh my side god! By side. Please
0: tell me you have a velvet painting of that up on I, the wall somewhere. He hate,
1: He's never laughed at this joke. I just go. I just say this is your BFF. Like, yeah. Because they're like three feet away from each other in this picture. Yeah. And so I always like to to reference him as his best friend and he ne- never I think it's funny. Uh then he he you know he played he played in the NFL when you had have an off-season job. It wasn't like it is now. Was
0: this all before you were born? Oh,
1: way before. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and so like he went back to school and this is Vietnam times too, so like I think one t- one off-season he was doing boot camp in Tigerland. Uh another I think he started doing um his MBA In the off season, got that, and then uh, went to Stetson Law School. Was a real estate, commercial real estate attorney for.
0: Is he still with us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, how's he doing?
1: He's doing great. Um, Is he
0: healthy? I just,
1: I just texted him uh, Quentin Tarantino's interview on uh, Rogan. Oh yeah. uh, That came out yesterday because
0: been hearing clips about you know, anybody but Bruce Lee's family that has anything shitty to say about my movie can suck a dick. Yeah, yeah. 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 My last movie may be like a remake of reservoir dogs. Or it could be yeah. there. There's a way I keep I, talking about a star Trek film that he's supposed to be it, writing or filming it, or whatever.
1: Uh, You know, there was, it was a, for movie nerds like myself, it was like really engaging, but you know, it, I was like, this thing's going to get clipped out. I think they even said it in the interview. But I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with my dad, like I guess that's pre-COVID era. And um and like he loved it because that's the time when he when lived he in LA, up, yeah, that's, yeah. that's what it was. And then he felt embarrassed for laughing at the end. We're both hysterically laughing, like oh, yeah. two
0: psychos. Oh no, that that, <laughs> that movie's a grower, not a shower. That one, <laughs> yeah. the first time I saw it. I was like, I mean, Tarantino's like pizza. I mean, even bad Tarantino is better than ninety-nine percent of the other stuff that's out there.
1: I watched Jackie Brown the other day and I was like, oh man, this is it, 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 yeah.
0: it yeah, it gets better. I remember watching I, I went to uh, Hyde Park Cine Bistro and watched um Django Unchained by myself. And <laughs> at the end of that movie when the black cowboys shooting and killing all the white people on screen, yeah. I was just in my happy place. They're like, this is so fucking punk rock. I'm, right. And I'm sitting here at the bougiest movie theater in the world, drinking my own bottle of wine, whatever, as this black guy is shooting up a bunch of white. It's like, this is so meta. Like, I don't even know <laughs> yeah. where, where I shake out in this whole scenario, but, um, it's
1: kind of how, you know, the country's not as racist as, as, as everything wants to be portrayed these days. Yeah. Cause you're like, uh, you're like, that was a huge grossing movie. That right. It, it, like, I don't know anybody that dislikes it, right? And it's got that angle of like, yeah, that, that I think anti, anti hero, whatever you want to call it.
0: Here's my theory that I just came up with right now. So okay. this is my first <laughs> time airing it out. But if you look over in Europe, you have a landmass that's about the size of the United States, give or take, and you can have. 30 very diverse nations as a part of that landmass. Whereas you come over to the United States and we're just the United States. I think we're about four or five different countries, yeah. but just because our boundaries aren't set up that way to look like it. But I mean, we, it, we're as different as Germany to Italy to, you know, whatever these different places are, but we just have this big boundary around it. So we're surprised that there's so many disparate viewpoints on.
1: Yeah. My, my thing is like, I don't believe we're as racist as we are. I believe racism exists, so don't get me wrong. It, it it's a percentage thing to me. We're we're talking absolutes now. Yeah. Right. Um, that's the way media is kind of going. Um, it, it, if you were really racist, it'd be tough to get around. Yeah. Uh, most most cities, right? Most people in the country. <laughs> well, it's also
0: cities. not. You know you're racist or you're not racist, like so. There's that, right? Go, there's try a spectrum. To go,
1: try to go on a flight, yeah. And if you hated uh, if you're white and hated other races, yeah, ha- and you couldn't, like, how are you gonna get through TSA, buddy? Right, right? Like, how you, yeah, like, how are you gonna get through everything without by w- going through white people only? Maybe in Omaha that works, but like, uh, our my thing is, like, we. Kick the shit out of ourselves as a country to be better. Right. I think that's a good thing. Right. I think I like that part of America, of the United States. Um, but we're not nearly as racist as a lot. If we're going on an average around the world, we're doing pretty, pretty fucking good.
0: Well, no, I, no, I know for, that's true because you go to any other country and they've yeah, all got their thing. You and know, as soon
1: as you said Europe and a map and I, all I could, when you're saying it was diverse, diverse white people
0: (laughs) like well i I mean belief systems ethos socioeconomic sure i mean different ways of approaching things not color but you know so but when we're talking racism or when we're talking politics you know we just see america but i mean fucking san francisco and you know Georgia are, are pretty different places, for you sure, know, for sure. as different as Sweden and Turkey or whatever, you know. But when,
1: when I learned at Auburn, um, where you pigeonhole a lot of people that are country, it it's not nearly. They don't. Most people are kind of like, do what you want to do.
0: No, yeah, no, it's true. It's and maybe, true.
1: Maybe that's my biasy. Maybe that's no. the route I went. But doing stand up uh, since I've been like twenty one, doing it a lot. Like you get it. You get almost like market research of most of the country, right? It's a
0: social experiment for sure. I mean, different audiences, different for sure. I mean, you know, I've been a student of it, not in the way that you have, but, you know, second only to music, comedy is like one of my passions. You know, I followed it and I've, you know, spent a lot of time listening to the black comedians talk about what it's like to be a black comedian. You've got the clean comedians, you've got the people who just will never make it, but will be the hero of all the other comedians and, yeah. you know, the old Catskill scene, the Jewish New Yorks. I mean, there's all these different worlds. And so, no, they, it's very they're, much they're a,
1: molded by the audiences they're talking oh, to. Oh, for sure. They, a river runs
0: through it. You're a rock with right. running water and they, that's turning you into who you become. Yeah. Um, I,
1: yeah. My, my thing's always been like if, when I'm on stage, uh, you know, I'm at a barbecue and I've got a louder voice than everybody else. Yeah. I, you know, I, the, I I but I do say like the the best uh attaboy kind of credit after a show is like an old black guy <laughs> or an old black chick, actually, because that is like opposite like a lot of shit I'm talking about. Sometimes I don't know if it's gonna hit because I'm she's I'm, the
0: German of the Olympic judges. Right. She's the one uh, yeah. that you gotta get the and, high and score if, I, from, if yeah. I can
1: if if I get like an attaboy from from uh from people who I'm coming in with biasy from comedy because comedy kind of the audience do kind of segment a little bit, right? And I do a lot of shows where it's free tickets sometimes. And those are the
0: hardest. Right.
1: Because what's the value of free? It's zero, right? So people <laughs> fucking leave all the time in those kind of shows. For
0: sure. Yeah. They no. won
1: tickets. But uh to go back, mom uh worked at uh at my elementary school uh in town, which was rough because every
0: What elementary school was it? St. St. Mary's Episcopal Day School. Okay. Okay. Smed's,
1: go Saints. Yeah. (laughs) I can't send my kids there. It's too expensive now. Yeah. Yeah. uh, (laughs) um, But, you know, she worked there, I think maybe for a bit of the discount. Right. (laughs) When they were able to game the system.
0: That that makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah. But it it backfires like because every teacher would come walk by. She was in the administration. Yeah. Every day is a parent teacher conference. Your son's so funny. And it's like, what do you do? Yeah, that w- that would be her reply. Yeah, but she doesn't. She just now realized I got kind of the wit, silver tongue ish kind of thing from her side. So I was
0: gonna ask where that came from.
1: So stand, my mom and I used to watch stand up grown up. Really? Like, yeah, I'd watch the A list on Comedy Central with her.
0: Like she got me into. Was it, it was it called Comedy Central at that time, or was it the the pre Comedy uh, Central Comedy
1: Channel? I think it was before that,
0: and it just had like the same ten bits that mm-hmm. would just play on a loop.
1: I, You know, I was born in 84, so okay. by the time I could remember anything, it was Comedy Central. But, I, like, all I watched was,
0: like, stand-up comedy. Do you remember some of your early favorites?
1: I remember with uh, my best friend, Tommy Howell, laughing at um, Tommy Davidson. Sure. Uh, with a, some weird Freddy Cougar Lego ego bit. Was
0: the Living Color a thing yet? Or was that Oh, yeah, pretty, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Living I loved all that. I watched SNL, all those shows religiously. My wife
0: and I just tried to show my seven-year-old daughter, Fire Marshal Bill, the other day. It scared her. It scared her, but she was more just confused why we thought it was hilarious. So, so
1: I, I showed my kids are four. I have a four-year-old boy, three-year-old girl. And I'm like- I I showed him my ex wife's uh uh she she had a TV spot and I go I'm trying to explain to him you know we do we're comedians yeah you know that kind of thing uh that's how her and I met and so I was trying to show her TV taping when my son was nine months she was nine months pregnant with my son right it wasn't like really computing I was like all right she's telling jokes you, you won't really get them but. Let's start with Gallagher, Tam- yeah. Tampa's own Gallagher, Plant, <laughs> the, the pride of Plant High School. Um, and uh, I didn't get to Gallagher two yet, but um, yeah. I they they loved it because they were like, "Oh, prop comic." Yeah. I get it. I, that was one of the first guys I probably watched too. Gallagher? The couch special where he's got a big couch. I remember on. that.
0: I remember Howie Mandel had it one back then sure. that I just love where he put the glove over his head mm-hmm. and would blow it up. And Never do. got
1: that. Never understood
0: why that was funny. I, I just thought it was stupid and he did Bobby's voice and did all that shit. And yeah. But uh, anyway, so so I was going to ask you what was your thing as a kid? Where was comedy a th- your thing as a kid? Were you yeah. were you an athlete? Were you an art? Were you an academic? Were you music? Um, I mean, you mentioned you weren't an academic.
1: So. I mean, I was an academic. <laughs> I, I'm I think I'm a, a a smart dumb guy. So like,
0: uh, did you have a lot of friends? Were you kind of alone? Yeah. Or were no, you?
1: no, I was social. Um, I was funny. Uh, but it did, was,
0: so did that develop just from being a fan of it? Was it a psychological kind of response to. uh,
1: I don't have any. I didn't have any childhood trauma, honestly, that I I always felt guilty doing stand up because I didn't have this fucked up background that
0: boxers and comedians have the more fucked up the background they are, the better they do. I mean, it just is. a. I mean, it's not a rule. There's 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 exceptions to the rule. But, you know,
1: if I if I, you know, if I really had to try to go one route, if we're doing, you know, armchair therapist stuff. Yeah. You know, maybe not being heard growing up because yeah. I was the youngest. You know, my sisters were older, my cousins were their age. There wasn't a lot of kids in the neighborhood, so you kind of. I was kind of in. I was pretty independent, but um, it was. But I wasn't antisocial. I just. It was just like I guess I'm gonna figure out fun stuff on my own, right? But right. I, I absorbed a lot of pop culture, a lot of a lot of stand up, but a lot of just other comedic shows. Like I was watching The Simpsons way too young that kind of stuff. Now I got my kids on it, which I love. I'm like giddy oh, right. that they're yeah. into it. They yeah. choose
0: to watch it. I, Bob's Burgers is the one I'm always getting my kids to watch and Yeah. Then my wife comes downstairs like, "I don't know about that." And I was they, like
1: They like the ukulele in the beginning. They
0: don't get that it's a rape joke, right. babe. They, that doesn't compute. To that. Yeah. Yeah, there's <laughs> That's there's, not a good argument. <laughs> yeah, that's I wouldn't start there. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> um, I think uh I would and then on the other side of that, I was like, "Well, a lot of Jewish comics I know, uh, I like, and studied and stuff. They didn't have a crazy traumatic background. They were just Jewish.
0: Sure, well, yeah. <laughs> and I think our, just the Holocaust. But I mean, you know what a- I mean,
1: like, I feel like um, I, I think I always, I always say, I think my family is secretly Jewish, but we're we're masquerading as Presbyterian, right? Right. Because everybody's kind of funny, but not intentionally. Sure. So it's like, uh, just everybody's kind of a character, like Arrested Development, right. in their Own way, but
0: no. How it- was your dad? Was he a funny guy?
1: Yeah, so what people don't know my about my dad is everybody's scared of him because he's huge, lumbering
0: physical he's, guy and obviously an intelligent guy. He's 6'4",
1: four to twenty-five. Uh and like he's very modest, most modest, humble guy. Like right. hates getting on stage to give a speech, like hates
0: So he played professional football as an attorney, obviously.
1: Yeah. I think when he played football, it was kind of like there's that um uh he had that Anger streak that stayed on the field, yeah. I think. Um, they said he he was like – he's like Eddie George kind of running back. He's tall but uh, was fast. Like could could have played wide receiver right. if they wanted him to. Um, beat uh, – he just told us this story. This is how modest he is. Like five years ago, he just told us this story where he was on the LA Rams as a rookie and they started bringing in all these, these other athletes from other sports at the time. And they brought in Tommy Smith who just won – uh the olympics like in 68 or something uh you know everybody knows him as the guy with the black power fist yeah when he won uh and they put they go okay smith and smith let's let you guys sprint and see who wins And my dad beat that guy in a race now it took him like three beers
0: <laughs> yeah
1: at a florida gator football reunion for him to be able to just talk about that that. story right because he's that he's just that kind of guy which (laughs) is 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 something something i need to maybe lean more towards a little bit that way but everybody was scared of him but he was really a silly guy once he got home
0: well it's funny because most young boys no matter whether their dad is a you know, an abusive alcoholic or a CEO or whatever is their hero. But in your case, your dad is actually a fucking superhero. So is that, you know, that's kind of interesting, you know, to reflect upon.
1: Around here, he was like, he's like a legend to a lot of people, Um, you know, growing up playing football. So when I played football in high school, coach. Did you
0: feel like you had to be
1: well, Dominic Sayo pulled me in in, in his office and was like, Do you feel like you have this pressure on you? Yeah. He did he did uh correct something for me that actually changed a lot of my life where he's like, You're scared to fail on the field. And then it dovetailed in this uh kind of talk about like, Hey, I had Lou Pinella's son, I coached him. I think he had he I don't know what he said more or less, but it was like maybe he was worried about being in his dad's shadow kind of thing around here uh i hope you don't have do you have any of that i was like not really
0: because your your curse is being well adjusted
1: well i got the you get your shit rocked in football like it's it's like i can't i came in cocky thinking i'd be a good running back right i got my shit rocked like first practice like puked everywhere you know
0: where'd you go to high school jesuit Ah, jesuit Mm -hmm. uh so i'll
1: always be the second best comedian that's the best i can do because burt kreischer always where was he
0: one. in relation to you where are you guys age-wise are, he's, he he's li- like
1: uh he's a
0: little bit older right
1: he's like 10 years older than me i think
0: yeah i had a i had a boomer nichols on and he and and kreischer oh, I listen friends yeah yeah um, but
1: kreischer i will say i moved to la at 21 after graduating at auburn and uh our dads are buddies because they're attorneys here forever you yeah. know kind of thing uh there he got me burt's and I was like, just a green comic, you know, and Bert, uh, I, I, I hit him up and I, he was like, meet me at the Melrose improv. And I met him up there. Uh, and this is like one of those, I think he refers to it as a nautical beacon in your life. Like this, is, I didn't realize how cool it was for him to do this in the moment. Right. But I, I kind of cherished that he went out of his way to go. Yeah. just come up to the bar. I met his sister, Cotty, uh, there. And I was like, she, "She's gorgeous. I love her. The comedy's great, kind of thing." And then um, Bert goes, "Come on!" And I followed him into the main room from the bar. And every <laughs> this has been a, a trope of him and I's relationship that he probably doesn't even know. But you know, I've opened for him a bunch here when he comes in town, and uh, you know, or, or do guest set when he's in town or something. And every time I see him, he's like, "I'm so fucking hungover. I'm so tired." Was like, and then we'll go on stage and fucking rip and yeah. murder. And it's like, what? He was just talking to me about how he's feeling like is he's
0: he, dying. Is he and people out? Is he trying to like play no, down expectations? I believe or that's it. just he just electric when he gets on stage.
1: Like uh, when you're feeling sick or tired or like beat down or like I've had you know someone tell me someone died right before he get on stage, and for whatever reason, a lot of the time, like. The on the walk up, you're like, "All right, let's do this." Or, yeah. or you get a couple jokes in, and you're like, "All right, I'm feeling this." The the pre the anxiety, the pressure of the crowd will get you to kind of get into it.
0: So after Jesuit, do you go right to Auburn, or do yep. you hang mm-hmm. out for a period so you go to say good Auburn? And um, what was the plan there? What were you going to study? What was your
1: once I got an entrepreneurship uh, and family business management as a, a major, like I wrote business plans we were doing mba level stuff because there wasn't really programs like right. this yeah, yeah yeah around the country and so my uh my still mentor my teacher who taught like i don't know 8 of my classes which is a lot in college you know um he would just go he'd come in he'd be like he does like big level consulting and then he he just taught for fun and then he would just assign us to go write business plans. And so writing business plans was like the best prep for any of uh the business professional life I have. Cause I I have this weird blade kind of thing like you've got. Like um I I have this professional career that I'm really good at what I do on the uh you know business advisory, marketing consultant, whatever you want, strategist side. Uh but I also love stand up and we'll probably always do some realm of both.
0: I always feel like there's this kind of thing, this, you know, they say a, a, a reaction has or a action has opposite equal reaction that, you know, your brain, if it kind of goes really far in one direction, it's kind of also gotta have a counterpoint on the other side of it. So a little bit. You I, I
1: you know, I used to keep those worlds separate. And when I started kind of merging the two, like I had my own agency for five years and um, you know, I used to never tell anybody I did stand up. And then I would start doing it in discovery meetings, and it would open them up immediately. Sure. and it uh, it became this thing where my buddy uh, Nate Seinall, who owns a um, managed service I.T company here, he's like, "You're a business therapist
0: because he, he would he I love that. He'd see me talking to people.: You're like Bobby Axelrod's um, uh, lady. Uh, do you watch Billions?
1: uh i did uh, no,
0: I, I, I but that's my biggest thing now is i want an on-staff therapist that just talks to all the staff that fucking works out their shit so yeah. i don't have to
1: well i mean <laughs> you know business is psychology really uh if you really break it oh, down it's
0: that yeah and my dad he used to have all these books that he would always talk to me about when i was way too young to know what he was talking about but there's this one called hidden persuaders mm-hmm. dog homershell wrote and it was about Kind of like Outliers or one of these Malcolm Gladwell books, but it talks about why grocery stores are set up the way that they are. Oh, I love and, that. Yeah. You know, just all that kind of stuff that consumer
1: that, behavior metrics. Yeah. Sure.
0: And, and just the subtle communication that isn't just what's written on a package. The, you know, uh, Katie's and my cousin, they're, they're graphic artists, and one of them does a lot of contract work for people who write books. And, you know, if you write a book on finances, you want it to be purple, or if you want to this on mm-hmm. that, or whatever. It's just, all these other things besides just what it says, what it's communicating. You know, we were talking yesterday on your podcast about the saber metrics of running a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just think there's it, it's so titillating all these other things that you can kind of get into looking at that no one even considers.
1: Yeah. I, I Look, uh, that could be a, a three hour podcast. Sure. I want to talk about that. Right. But that is I I um, it's a you're finding a crease. Right. Um you, you got to find these advantages in business. And it's kind of like someone explained uh, a roof leak to me and why it, it's hard. It's harder than you think to, to uh, patch a roof leak. And I was right. like, why? And it was like, well, you can patch it up. Water's going to keep finding its way. So, like, business kind of acts the same way. It just is. Like, the math is there, right? Yeah. It's very math logic based. Um, you know, there's that psychology aspect to it. And the entrepreneur side that I find interesting, and I have it too, is the e myth of getting in your own way. Yeah, and know know what you don't know, and you know, um, you know, find find people to delegate out to when you're not that great. Uh, but we're our show Sweat Equity is kind of like I want to learn. F- uh, it, it became this like thing. Uh, where I'm genuinely interested in anybody's entrepreneurial story. I have that like weird, like I don't talk to everybody on a plane I sit next to, but if someone has a business, I, I empathize with it. And, uh, it's a
0: challenge to kind of, it's a knot to untie. A, yeah. well, I
1: see everything as a puzzle.
0: Well, let me, let me, let me stop you there yeah. because I definitely want to go through all that with you, but we're not there yet. We're, we're still, at I forgot Jesuit.
1: we're doing the Marin. W- well, yeah, W-tf uh, Marin.
0: I'm going to ask you if we're all good at the end of this. <laughs> um, So you're at Jesuit. You can't get into UF um Auburn. So tell me about your time at Auburn. I mean, th- that's a different world from Tampa.
1: Yeah, people thought I was uh <laughs> I remember I we were making fun of my buddy from Cincinnati and calling him a Yankee or something. And then I, I like, you know, piled on to that and everybody like roo- turned around and was like, You're fucking Yankee. I was like, What? I was like, technically I'm yeah, more southern than y'all. Yeah. If you look on a map. That like that Madden, kind of statement. It's like
0: Madden football. You run out the end zone and you come out the other side. You go south <laughs> yeah. enough and you're northern oh, yeah. again.
1: And that kind of statement made me even more of a dork. That's not from the south, right? Um,
0: Did you go up there with anybody, or were you completely on your own? I had some I had some buddies. And, okay, uh,
1: but you know, it was it was I didn't, and I also didn't want to stay. I knew if I went to a Florida school, I'd be doing that thing where you go back. A lot of weekends, and I was just like,
0: "I went to UCF, so I completely understand what you're talking for, about." I mean, yeah. for better or worse. Well, no, but I understand what you're talking about. You yeah. know,
1: um, and and people did that there. They went back to Birmingham or Atlanta yeah. or whatever. Uh, but uh, you know, I I had a great experience. I I got. I was in a fraternity. I I know that's not cool these days. Hey, they got kicked off like a couple of years ago for cocaine. Right, so that's well, that's, that, super that's kind cool. of retro. Ret- yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, we don't have a fraternity there anymore. The, the house We're is going to get kicked off. That's a,
0: that's as a good a reason as you're going to yeah, get. Yeah, I was like, yeah. fuck
1: yeah. Um, I, I never dabbled in that, but I was like, I I <laughs> thought that was. Pretty bitchin', like yeah. 2016. I joke
0: about cocaine so much for someone who doesn't or nor has ever, you know, messed with it. But for some reason, the word itself is just funny to me. I, I, cocaine is somehow works its way into a punchline of a lot of jokes. For well, me. it
1: was kind of, I, I feel like it was not as popular, you know the last like whatever you know the last 10 years so it's a good kind of punchline bring back
0: yeah yeah i don't know why i don't know why i find it funny there's a who's the comedian oh god you know who this guy is this room has magical qualities i always bring bring it up on the show it it erases your ability to recall anything but um
1: (laughs) maybe it's because it's blackout (laughs)
0: well that could be it yeah but uh I remember this comedian called somebody a Coke straw and I just laughed <laughs> about it forever. And like, I've called my kids that, I've called my Coke wife that. I just think it's the funniest insult. In the world. That's,
1: that's pretty sad. In any
0: event. So, well, one of the things with college that I see, or at least I recall is it's your first opportunity to kind of reinvent yourself or how you see yourself or who you are, especially if you go to a new town, like they don't know who law is. So yeah. who's law going to be, you know?
1: Yeah. I know. I, I don't know if I ever put it in that context. I think I was just like, uh, just, kind of wanted to party and i was definitely worried uh again crushed all math classes anything dealing with math that kept my gpa just up enough and then every i was so you
0: crushed math and you like failed self-defense for women and fucking
1: (laughs) i uh, i got an a in geology rocks rocks for jocks class you know uh but like I do like history and I'm like how can I be this bad at history? It's just memorizing shit. Yeah, literally just,
0: objectively, well now we know that it didn't happen or Well, or I know it.
1: that so a lot <laughs> of it I think I find myself now reading up on historical events and and science, uh, just basic science stuff that I never learned because I don't think it was ever taught that well. You know, um I do I do think my biggest academic credit was uh, taking business calculus too and having like a row of ten guys, like a daisy chain of ten of my friends cheating off me. So like my best friend was cheating off me, then they were cheating off of him. Right. And uh I was like, no one's ever cheated off of me in anything. This is great.
0: That's pretty badass. Yeah. I I, I had a little racket writing uh Papers for the UCF basketball team and football team when I lived at wow. Collegiate Village Inn. So it sounds like a he, punishment. Oh, it was brutal, but uh, you know, I'm sure none of the teachers noticed that they all wrote the same paper because <sighs> I think I reused them a lot. But and that was back for laptops. It was a word processor. But oh my uh, God, when I was there, it was. Um, oh God, it was Daniel Tosh was was right around that time. Yep. The Blair Witch Project guys were right ar- around that time. And then I actually played pickup basketball with Dante Culpepper in the uh English building. And oh, yeah. he he could have been an NBA star as much as he was an NFL star. That guy was
1: get your role on. Yeah,
0: yeah. So <laughs> um so uh straight through in four years. Yeah. All right. And then right back home or
1: No, I moved to LA before I was uh i wanted to do it my birthday just happened so my june late june birthday i wanted to move to la before i was 20 when did you
0: start doing stand-up like when did you first take the stage
1: well, I was 19 came back here for the summer in tampa so before
0: you went to auburn or uh, right at the beginning during, in the middle of it just so were you doing it all throughout college uh
1: sparingly like okay. i knew i wanted to do it uh there's uh, i know a lot of people think it's a comedy haven of Auburn, Alabama. Oh, but for sure, yeah. Not a lot of comedy going LA, on. LA, New York,
0: and Auburn. <laughs> not like a lot of it. stand-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: So, like, I used to drive to Atlanta and do an open mic, which it sounds insane to me now. But when you're so thirsty to, to do it, like, I used to get three guys in my car and I would, we're driving to Atlanta and I'm going to do the open mic if y'all want to come and they would drink the whole way back i just
0: love those stories i mean that that brings me back to the early days of the marin podcast when he had you know like louis ck on the first time and louis would talk about he like lived in an apartment with like six people and he would just write people's phone numbers on the wall Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. he'd spill fucking ramen noodles on the floor and it would just be there for four years (laughs) and he'd do a show on this side of the bridge then hop on his motorcycle and back and forth back and forth and he got like a horrible accident and like split his head open and you know that 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 was punk. I mean, as much as Black Flag getting in a van, or the Minutemen getting in a van, or Minor Threat in DC. I mean, those days with comedy was very much that sort of thing. And you know, and there's even those little intersections, you know, with like Belushi and Fear, mm-hmm. and you know, you know, there's there's kind of this shared arc that those worlds had. And so, uh, you know, do you remember? Are there any shows that stand out and when you're getting started, like your oh, first yeah. one, or first, your worst one, or your best one? Or well,
1: th- those Atlanta ones, uh, I probably only did it like five or six times. It's an hour and a half drive from Auburn yeah. um, to do five
0: minutes. It, fucking Atlanta is a five-hour drive from outside of Atlanta, right? To right. Of Atlanta. Yeah. yeah.
1: So the punchline was just, uh, just like, just not. It was like. To drive from Auburn to there, it was like a – right outside Atlanta, like right when you get into Atlanta. So, it wasn't too bad. I didn't have to get in the city. I don't know if the punchline's still around anymore. But uh, one time I, I got to – Was that to, a
0: diverse club or was it a black club or was it
1: uh, – You know, I can't remember. It was – you know, it was, it's always an off night. Yeah. So, there's it's not packed by any means. Um, But Ron White came to do a set and I think he lived there at the time and I got to bring him up. And, wow. And – someone was like, you can say you open for Ron Ron White, which I'll I'll still say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um and he's top three him, Louis CK and Chappelle are my my three guys. Uh and you know, so that's like that's like this weird reward out of it. And I remember going up to his car, he's like, I'm gonna be in the car. Uh just come knock on my window, you know, when the last comic's on I was like, all right. And so knock on his window and he's he's got the scotch in his hand. And I, he's like I'll he walks like, the walk yeah yeah he's the real deal um and so th- seeing that and then just luckily know,
0: though he was safely in his car when he was drinking
1: <laughs> was, someone else
0: drove it he was on okay. the other side yeah okay. yeah uh
1: but it was one of those things where um you know i got to see him work out stuff that you got to see later on specials right right, right. and you're like oh shit yeah that
0: that was a concept that i didn't get till much later i you know i remember i saw uh chappelle this was right around the time that he started, like, after he came back from Africa and came back mm-hmm. from being, you know, in the twilight zone and was starting to work out stuff. And I, it must have been very early in him working on an act. And, you know, it's like. Well, he he was like a
1: crusher at, like, 19. Like, he uh, was already a astounded. He
0: was still amazing. I mean, again, you know. Sprinkle
1: if, if, some crack on
0: him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> the, hey, baby. Hey, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. I, you know, now I know as I've, as I've become more acquainted with the world and understanding how it works that, you know, that was the beginning of a tour and, you know, yeah. catching someone at the beginning of a tour and the end of a tour are two very different
1: Yeah, I'm trying things. to, I, I've never filmed anything like uh, uh, professionally and I was like, I gotta, I have all this material from when I started, you know, when I was really young in the game. And so like this year, I just made the goal, like I'll, I'm i going to, I don't want to call it a special. I'm just going to film something and put it on YouTube just to put it out there. Cause I don't even have anything. If anybody is listening and searches, they're going to find some six-year-old videos or older. And so I was like, I'll, I'll make that a thing. And so, you know, after this, I'm going to go do a show where I'm going to try to work on work on some stuff. And it's kind of this thing where you're kind of all right, this this is a good idea. Maybe this will work. Our practice is in front of an audience, so that's that's the hard part about it.
0: It's 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 true. It's I mean, I. But it's the
1: puzzle again. It's the puzzle of everything.
0: It is, and it's funny because it's one of the hardest things to do emotionally, and it attracts the most emotionally, like you know. Um, sensitive people to it, you know? And it's like, I'm going to take someone who's just barely hanging on by a thread and put them in the most stressful fucking, you know, anxiety-ridden situation that they can possibly be in and let's see how that this turns out. Yeah. And so it's no surprise that drugs are rampant throughout that world, that suicide is rampant throughout that world, that you've got Louis C.K. beating off in front of folks and all these other, you know, weird little things yeah. that come up that might be a bad example but it, i'm no, just saying
1: it can, it can exacerbate it
0: exacerbate it. <laughs>
1: um but it, it it's that thing of like i think if they didn't do it they would they would have found all those things they would have been doing
0: anywhere else right. comedy didn't cause it they've but been it, the
1: funny sales guy that it, was doing masturbating it, in front yeah, of people. Yeah, yeah
0: yeah shout out to uncle larry um <laughs> 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 uh, not uncle gary uncle larry sorry katie right. <laughs> um in any event so uh You start that in Auburn and then you go to LA. So did you move in with somebody? Did you, I mean. Yeah. uh, Best friend. You like getting off the bus with a girl from Guns N' Roses, just kind of walking up and down the street looking for.
1: I got a job as a grunt at a mutual fund company that my best friend that I was living with, uh, Brendan T. Gleason.
0: um,
1: You may know him. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, So he was, he him and I did stand up for the first time. We both bet each other to do it. And so, back in the day at the Tampa Improv, when it, so this is when I'm 19, took about seven or eight Jaeger bombs at yeah. Adobe Gila's, uh-huh. which was the uh, cantina bar that was adjacent to the club. They used to do an open mic that was once a month, and we were so dumb, we invited all our friends to go. Uh, so, it was packed. It was right. 300 people right. the first time we did it. Right. And, you know, 150 of them are our friends. Sure. Um, and And a lot of... Friends of ours told us later we came to see you bomb, which is funny too. Uh so they used to rank everybody. Uh I think he came in first and I came in second. Um, and that you catch the bug from there, you know. Yeah. Um and well, you're so,
0: chasing that high. I mean, it's the it's,
1: it's the best. It yeah. when it's going well, it's the best thing ever. When it's going horribly, it's the worst thing ever.
0: Does it does the high diminish the more you get it, or is it always great?
1: Um, it changes. I think it's like um you know, like you get better and you go, you know, you can do some stuff. You can do some material that you know is going to get a laugh, but it's not growing you.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, as a comic, you can like a lot of uh,
0: so black There's crowd work. There's easy jokes. There's. I, you know. I love
1: crowd work. I love riffing, mm-hmm. but I don't do stock crowd work. Yeah. So I, I got good at that skill after a while, but uh, I used to go up with nothing for like four years and right. just see if. How far can I get without having to do a joke I've already written?
0: Well, that's I was just watching uh as Roy Scovel does like Yeah, he's you know, he's amazing. Completely
1: I got him weed one time. Oh,
0: did you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just completely blind going up there and doing an act. And yeah. then the, the other just completely off basis, but everybody's been going nuts about this new Bo Burnham. Oh, he's
1: one. great. He's he's amazing.
0: I watched it and I could I I I don't know if I didn't get deep enough into it, but I it, it wasn't sinking its hooks into me but maybe i gotta try it again but I in mean, any event it, do,
1: it it doesn't work for everybody anyway, yeah. you yeah. know like um he's he's an amazing talent he was he's like the real youtuber guy that crossed over as a good stand-up
0: right well i i think the consensus from you know i i posted about it and a lot of the, I, some people said they completely agree with me and other people kind of pushed back but the kind of consensus was is he's a extremely talented person who writer musician, you know, he's, he's got something that he's going to give to the world, whether Mm. or not it's in a stand up or start writing film or acting or pretty, you know, whatever the thing may be. Yeah. 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 Um, but in any event, so how long were you in California for,
1: uh, six years. So i worked for a mutual fund company. One of my bosses won the Nobel prize for economics in 2015. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was like a real deal. Like, again, this is where the, this, this, kind of like real kind of career during the Which day. way
0: are you gonna go? Like well they know. were
1: like you can go the CFP route. We're gonna move the the uh, office to Austin. Uh I flirted with that for a second and then um I booked our own stand-up comedy tours with Brendan and two other guys, Nick Hoff and uh Kevin Richards. So we booked our I f- <laughs> I I quit my job in the recession uh when I was 24. We did a walk of shame comedy tour for two months. Uh didn't work for that year, that's when I real uh, for like the next nine months was trying to find work. And it was like the hardest time. And I didn't have a lot of job experience. So yeah. it was like, I was kind of milling around, um, kind of miserable. And I realized like, Oh, I'm a guy that the more I do, the more I can do kind of thing. Right. Um, cause it like during the day I, I lived in West Hollywood in my friend's, my friend's garage that looked like they're trying to make it, a two car garage that they were trying to make into like an in-law suite and they gave up halfway
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> and i go i'll take that yeah I'll, I'll live in there it's got carpet and ac depending on which I direction you
0: look you're either in a garage or a bedroom well i was yeah. like
1: there's there three girls in the main house and they're like great you can be security i was like cool uh like worst ca- worst part of of it was i had to like go into the house to take a shower i was like i don't care but then i realized the i the devil makes work for idle hands kind of thing we're yeah. like I'm going to the gym for like 2 hours and it's me, Eric Roberts and Johnny Knoxville and we're the only ones in
0: this an amazing
1: huge trio. gym. Yeah. And it's so weird cuz I saw him like every day for probably 3 months. Have you ever heard
0: the Abortion Twins song Eric Roberts? <laughs> so it's a local band the Abortion <laughs> no. Twins. They wrote a song called Eric Roberts and there's a video on YouTube of Eric Roberts listening to the song that they wrote these guys locally. I'll have to send you that. It's link. so it's funny. Great. I
1: what's weird is I we knew he, like I know both of those guys, and but I bet if I saw them now, they'd be like, "Who are you?" Also, hmm. uh, the
0: best man. That was a great, great fucking film.
1: I'm a Dark Knight fan, so yeah, when I saw yeah, them now, I go, was yeah. like, yeah. "Ooh, um, big time!" Um, but yeah, he'd wear like flip flops and like weird zuba's kind of fucking sweatpants <laughs> with, a, Roberts,
0: with a tank top yeah. his and I'm life like, just didn't work out whatever bro yeah. no
1: judgment i'll help you with the leg press yeah whatever
0: so do you reflect back on california fondly do you i mean is it i'm glad know, i did it i'm the glad the times it. the worst of times type of you know
1: it, it i cut my teeth there and I, i'm so glad i didn't know that's not the best place to start yeah but i don't know i i thought it I was every night. I probably did 300, you know, mic sets a year for four years there. Uh, So I was every night just going, driving to like Tustin, which is like an hour and a half, just to go. That's a good mic I can get on. And but what's cool is I'm glad I did that. I'm glad I have the. I don't have the energy for that anymore. But um, what's cool now is seeing my contemporaries that cut their teeth next to me. So, like, um, uh, I just emailed Eliza who's crushing it. She was just in town. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, hit her up and I, I love seeing her progression. Uh, Theo Vaughn and Andrew Santino and a lot of guys that, you know, and got to hang out with Bert every now and again, yeah. uh, met Rogan a few times and all these guys, um, that I got to be around, uh, I love seeing their career kind of flourish.
0: Well, it's like the 80s again, kind of. I mean, you know, there's that just boom of comedy when everybody was getting a sitcom and everybody was on Johnny Carson and it was the thing that you did and then it just fucking – was died a f- for, was a funnel right yeah you
1: got on carson you worked for a whole year yeah now you get on the tonight show no one knows
0: yeah so it's just a, a different thing but i, I Which feel is entre- like
1: it's better it's entrepreneurial now
0: well i mean streaming and podcasts and videos and all this other shit i mean there's so many more platforms to be out there i mean you know uh,
1: it's segmented for sure but i think uh i think it's ultimately better maybe i'm I, this is kind of the uh, American in me, but I, I, entrepreneurship, I think, it really is better for a comic because they're naturally lazy. Like a lot of them, you know. And,
0: I, I agree and completely. It g-
1: gives you that gumption. It gives you that vim and vigor to to get going.
0: Well, you know, I, I, I when I get stuck on something, I bring it up constantly. But I talked to you about Moneyball last night and uh-huh. already today. But there's that scenery. He's like adapt or die. You know, it's right. like it's like. The world isn't gonna help you along. You gotta help yourself along. And you know when I, you know that as a
1: dad too now, right? Oh, for sure. Shit's
0: on your shoulders. Well, for sure. And Uh, now you
1: got a business, a small business where people they rely on you.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and and specifically the point is for me when I when I left the state attorney's office and went out on my own. When you're a state attorney, all the private attorneys love you because they have to fucking love you because you're the keys to the castle, getting them the offer that they need on the DUI or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're just one face of this big entity, so they have to kiss your ass. Sure. But then when you leave there and you go out on your own, you figure out who really meant it and who didn't mean it. Yep. And there's a lot of people that it's like, hey, you know, can I can I see this pleading and whatever? And it's like you're a fucking stranger. And then there's other people who would say, how about we do this? Let's go get lunch and then I'll bring you back to the office and I'll I'll give you back then it was a floppy disk or whatever. <laughs> and it's got all my pleadings on it and all this other stuff. And I was like, I want to be that guy. And people, you know, still to this day is like, yeah, but your competition is like, if if I lose because I gave this guy one of my pleadings or if I lose because I Showed someone a phone number to get into a judge or whatever, then I'm I shouldn't be winning anyway. Right. And on a much smaller level, and I say this with no ego, but since I started doing the podcast, there's been other people who, you know, want to do podcasts. I was like, fucking, you do. know, I don't know, I don't know much, but you're welcome to to come and look at the computer and look at the microphone and do whatever. And you know, here's the guy that uploads it to Spotify for me and put all this other stuff. And you know, I just want. I, you know, I, I want to, if I, if I'm going to succeed, it's going to be because I deserve it. Not because I somehow like stiff armed everybody else in, in in the area. So
1: I'm, I'm that kind of way too. Yeah. Uh, I can already tell we were, we've just been texting back and forth like the last week or whatever, but you know, uh, it's that thing of like, I can tell you're a connector. You want to be resourceful for people. I'm the same way. Like, It's I, like
0: cool stuff happening.
1: Well, like one of my favorite things is like, I love helping friends get jobs. Like yeah. if I can be, even if it's not someone I really know, but I know they're good at what they do. Like
0: there's use, a harmony there. Use there's me a, on LinkedIn. I don't care. Yeah. Like
1: I'll, I'll vouch for you. What do you need? Like I've helped a lot of comics. I've been the referral or their uh, reference uh, for a lot of jobs that I was like. Oh yeah, Matt's great. Matt Matt's a hard worker. Show you know, he's lunch pale. Great kind of bedside
0: guy. manner, really good with dealing with clients. I fucking I crush those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Those yeah, fake yeah. those yeah. fake
1: references. I kill it. That's funny. Um but it's like I I I know how big of a deal that is to when you're looking for work and you can't get it and you need it. And so I don't know. I I, I always feel like um you can be You can be the shrewd businessman, but also be generous. Yeah. It's just picking and choosing that. And we kind of touched on it on sweat equity is like, I had to get better at kind of picking and choosing that, not chasing, trying to help someone that didn't really want to be helped. So like that scenario you gave, I I want to ask like, how many people actually came over here? Mm -hmm. Because I I started becoming a little bit like libertarian about it. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. come Come to my office. Here's the hours that are a little bit flexible. I'll show you. I'll help you get your podcast started. It's easy to show you for twenty minutes. Mm. And when they and when you get there, all I want you to do is record on your phone what we're doing, so I don't have to show it to you again. Yeah. You know, I yeah. I got really uh, time time management. That's, sensitive. that's
0: so he. That's 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 been this this year this past month. Like as as this the the value of an hour. I posted not too long ago. You know, a hundred dollars is always going to be a hundred dollars, but an hour can be the rest of your life you mm-hmm. know you uh, there's been decisions acts i mean whether good or bad you know the kid who was drag racing down bayshore and killed the mother and the baby yeah. inside of an hour yeah that hour changed his life forever and yeah. an hour can change your life in a positive way you're now you know you go home a different way from work and you see a restaurant you never see before and you go in and you meet a girl that you wouldn't have met otherwise and you know all this within the course of an hour That's but,
1: serendipity kind of well, stuff sure to but me. my point
0: is is that <laughs> that we give away so much of our time and not only do we give away so much of our time but the money that we spend we don't realize that we're that the, those things cost more than money they cost our time to acquire them to maintain them and all this other stuff. So I've really been trying to have a paradigm shift and see my time as my equity more than financial, whatever, because that's, you know.
1: Well, I mean, I learned a lot of time management from attorneys as my clients and really thinking about really studying that the business model. And the reason there's six minute billable kind of time chunks Mm -hmm. is for this reason, almost, because y- y'all's billable hour can be crazy, right?
0: Oh, it's, yeah. Should
1: be tracked. Um, you know, my mentor is like, write every 15 minutes down of your day in the beginning of the day and tell me you don't have enough time to do what you want to do. Yeah. Because it'll help you get rid of all the bullshit, right? That's true,
0: yeah. Um,
1: And so I've been trying to work on that part. I used to be very good at that. Uh, and now I'm trying to get back to kind of going like, I want to focus on these five things. Number one, being my kids, uh, and make sure when I'm with them, uh, I got them half the week. That I'm not trying to think of work. Right. Right. Um,
0: So use that other half of your time to kind of shoehorn everything in.
1: Well, being divorced dad uh, is kind of a blessing in disguise. And one, I I try to. I'm an aggressive optimist, so it's kind of like part of me. uh, I hate not having them every night and being able to see them. One thing we do do since the separation was whatever parents not there, FaceTime's in. So they may call any minute now. But um, so I, that's always been great. So I've seen them every, every day in some form or another. Right. Um, And then, you know, I go, okay, well, I don't, it sucks. I don't have them every night and can't, you know, read them a story every night. However, I can kind of mash my Monday, Tuesday that I don't I don't have them those times I can do the podcast every Tuesday I can do I can work a long ass day Monday to kind of front load it to make sure so I got like I I think of that kind of puzzle as like figuring that out and getting that work ethic to stick with that right I have I'm a guy that has to work out every day or I become mildly depressed yeah um and so like all right you got to figure that out you got to jam it in you got to even if it's 30 minutes or 10 minutes you got before work. I run laps around my sad dad pad apartment complex <laughs> of, of Spanish grandmas and yeah. tradesmen at like five 30 in the morning. Cause it, it's like a perfect uh, quarter mile. And I'll yeah. just, I'll run in the parking lot like a weirdo cause I don't give a fuck anymore. Yeah. Right. So it's that thing of like time management. So huge. Cause the one thing when I've interviewed anybody on our show, entrepreneur, an entrepreneur on our show, that's older. Or just heard any interview of anybody that is successful that you look to as a nautical beacon kind of thing. The one thing they always regret is wasting time on this, this, and this. And it ruined X, Y, and Z for their life. And they wish they had that back.
0: Right. So I'm
1: cognizant of that because I don't want to be a divorced dad that's checked out. That's number one. I don't want to be like, my kids are doing stand-up because – they're talking about their dad, like right. not feeding them correctly or, you know, right. or not doing the things you should do. And the other part is like, I don't want to look back and be like, I should have done this or I should have put effort into it. At right. least. I'm not going to get a, everything an A plus, you know?
0: So, uh, did you meet her when you were in California or was that after you came back to Florida or baby mama? Yeah. Uh,
1: we met, uh, at crowbar, okay. um, doing a. Stand up show in that little patio for like some dog charity.
0: The courtyard thing, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh in like twenty ten or twenty eleven, I think.
0: So married children, how did that change? Did you just stop doing comedy? Do you still do it? Did it change the type of comedy that no, you're doing? We we did it. I proposed I guess it helps that she was a comedian as well.
1: Yeah, she got it. So a lot of a lot of girls I was dating before her don't get that lifestyle where I'm I'm working during the day and yeah. I'm, hey, I'm gonna be gone most nights. Like, yeah. Uh, this is, this is what I do kind of thing. Um, you know, a lot of women I dated couldn't handle that. And I, I I was straight up. I was like, look, I'm, I'm an active person, but I will find time if you're worth it kind of thing, which sounds kind of dickish as I'm saying, but, uh, maybe I, maybe I finessed it a little bit better,
0: Yeah,
1: (laughs) but, um, I, you know, that's one thing that a lot of people I dated, she gets the lifestyle she she had a day job as well she's brilliant uh she's like a mensa she's a data analyst like so we we both kind of lived that dual life right. um and then uh i pr- i think the video's still on youtube i proposed to her on the tampa improv stage oh, wow as a i got eight comics or close to eight comic friends to make it sound we booked a show that looked like a tournament yeah uh a comedy tournament, so everybody did a
0: set. Oh, wow, that's elaborate,
1: yeah, well, this is the good creative part of me. It was like I called it like something mad March Mad Menness or something yeah. it was in March, so everybody had to wear a suit uh and <laughs> that's beautiful. the th- the best thing about it is I had eight comics involved in this thing, and then none of them spill the beans. Yeah, that's wh- pretty impressive. Which is insane because they're all, they're all mis- gossipies. Yeah, yeah, gossip, <laughs> like,
0: alcoholic, yeah. Yeah, they're all, it's all
1: like the girls in Heathers. And <laughs> right. They're all talking shit all the right. time. And so uh, that, regardless of us getting divorced, that's still one of the coolest things in my life where the day of I texted as many friends as I could. I go, hey, this is what's going on. I'm going to propose on stage. We're going to do this round where we're improv
0: right.
1: uh stuff out of a bucket or something. Uh, so almost like a a sales a commercial, where like <laughs> she she. So we do this tournament, we do this like everybody does a set, and then you go to this next round, which was supposed to be an improv yeah for improv stand up thing. So you get a topic and riff off of it, and so we purposely made me the her and I go against each other. She's not good at that fucking murders like oh wow murders and then i'm going after i'm her. getting a tv deal tonight <laughs> would, like she could have mic dropped it it would have been fine like just knocks it out and then i proposed to her and like she didn't see it coming and then like uh she she looks in the crowd and like my family's there her her mom couldn't be there because she's in new wow. jersey uh but like a bunch of our friends are there we went to the bricks right after like a hundred friends of ours. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's one of those like cool, like,
0: yeah. can't believe sure, that Jesus actually worked. worked. Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, it was as, uh, it's, it and I remember her watching the video like that night, like giddy and like, just
0: knock that out of the
1: yeah. park. Yeah. Well, I feel like the weddings for the chick that that's their thing, the right? Proposals for Propo- the guy. Yeah. Proposal. Yeah. And I, I didn't think I would do something elaborate, but I was like, this could be a really cool idea if it all works. I've got video. Eric uh my co host on uh sweat equity uh who's now my my uh my heterosexual life mate um uh-huh. we're about to do a full house situation maybe uh-huh. <laughs> where we we just mat- i just move in with my kids yeah. live with his kids uh but he he has me on video right before like sw- sweating it Super out like, nervous uh, yeah like about to throw up like and i do i don't really get like that except for that time right so, yeah
0: right So, uh, obviously, you mentioned that the two of you got divorced. Now you're living, uh, you know, half the time with your kids. Do you recall, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because I spent all day doing this, but do you remember your perception of what life would be like after the divorce versus what it turned out to be like?
1: Um, Well, uh, it was was a little rough. So, like, it kind of consumed, I was saying, I wish I had like a, uh, so I have my own business um, and we just had two kids that are 13 months apart. Um, and I it was way too, we saw like four family therapists yeah. or whatever. Like I tried to make it work. I I have this weird like insecurity when people find out I was, I'm divorced that didn't know. Right. That knows both of us. I'm like, I didn't do anything wrong. Like yeah. I remember we were getting in a fight and I was like, sadly, what? I'm in a small percentage of guys that I work uh I work all the time when I'm not working I have the kids cuz I was like when I, literally when they weren't in school I had them all right. the time um I don't get I don't get fucked up I don't do drugs I don't have a side piece Yeah uh never been arrested never had an STD never punched you never yeah. pushed you never hit you
0: like, Those are the tough ones.
1: Well, I was like, sadly, I'm in a really rarefied air of guys in right. this country. I remember arguing this, and like later, I was like, I was yelling this at one point. I was like, this would be kind of funny if I saw this as a, <laughs> was, in a yeah. scene in a, in a yeah. Will
0: Ferrell yelling it, like an, a life audit. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, but well, it got to that point, kind of thing. Right. Um, so I was like, I had my own kind of uh, digital agency slash business advisory, and I was always like, I wish I had something. Some kind of company where it was tangible, where I was working with my hands all day, because that would get my mind off of right. that. But it just, it consumed all my thoughts. I thought I was fucking up left and right. Um, you know, and I still don't, I still have I theories that I think there was some childhood stuff on her side that may have come postpartum depression and anxiety kind right. of style. Um, that's a theory we never really got to that point. Um, but you know, do
0: you feel like you're on the other side of it now?
1: A little bit. I did. Uh, so I had my birthday a couple of days ago and I just, uh, sent, I used to write her handwritten letters. Right. And I just, I wanted to, I go, I just want to give you this letter as my gift. So just tell me that you read it. That's all I want yeah. out of you as a gift. And just told her, I love her. She's huh. a great, she's a great mom. Um, and like, you know, I I hope I have a, like a sliver of hope that we figure it out down the line. But it
0: happens. It happens more than you'd think.
1: Yeah, and I and I try to think of stuff as a small. I think we touched on this on the podcast yesterday. As this is a small point in the timeline,
0: much longer story. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's true. It's true. Yeah. It's hard because when you're in it, it feels like everything, but it was, you know, you go back and you talk, I mean, we've just spent an hour, hour and a half talking about your life and, mm-hmm. you know, took us five minutes to get through California, six years of California. It takes us, you know,
1: well, I can, I can spin a yarn. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, <laughs> um, so now, now you're working in house for a company.
1: Yeah. Um, so, uh, Became a higher gun for a, another agency uh, as soon as mine kind of uh, trailed off. I have five bad debt clients I get to go after. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, they think they think I forgot. So. No, I didn't, never
0: forget. Mm-hmm. Never forget.
1: No, I just – I'm waiting. Uh, I need to – Waiting
0: uh, for the right moment.
1: <laughs> no, I need to accrue enough money to go after them. I yeah. had collections on them. Didn't do anything. Yeah. So, now I got to spend – You got to accru- call
0: Mike Lundy. He's got a collections firm that is supposedly killer.
1: Uh, I'm – if he can do the prosecution for – or whatever it is for uh, $1,000. Mike, I'm like, sure
0: you're listening right now because you've got nothing better to do. But I, I, you owe me a favor. I refer you to many clients.
1: Hey, I'll I'll, I'll talk to him. Um, but it's uh, – yeah, I'm just waiting. I, I got to get about sure. five grand to go after him. I'm going to do it all in one onslaught because um, I, I think it fucked me over about 120 grand.
0: That's a nice little nest egg to kind of have – squirreled away yeah
1: i had to take on riskier clients when everything was kind of uh falling down like i i really so one part of it was i was so manic uh you know and like trying to juggle everything that i didn't realize when i was talking to my family i sounded like a nutbag and like um and like our my family relationship is kind of like talk to everybody kind of individually we don't do like the cuban thing where you hang out on a sunday with a pig on a spit and play dominoes and shit all day and like that's what you do on a sunday yeah we don't we don't have that kind of family structure so um they did a and this is good for them they they did a intervention on me a mental health one like two weeks after i got separated so i don't blame them for it i love that they thought they needed to do it i love that i I still love everybody in my family and i told them You know, speaking of like being a defense attorney, I had to kind of do it for my own psyche for three and a half hours.
0: Yeah.
1: That's the what I was writing down on the notepad before we started, because I'm gonna talk about on stage tonight. Um, but it was like defending it was defending your life, kind of Albert Brooks style. But they're you know, they're saying, you know, um, I have delusions, grandeur, lying to myself. And I was like, after a while I started I'm the wrong guy to do this to because I've watched every intervention show. (laughs) So I go, I go, let me stop you here. I know how this is going to go. You're going to do, uh, you're going to, y'all are going to read a letter and it's going to go like this. When you're a boy, you're like this. And then you became a man. And then all these, this, the first half of the page is going to be good things. Then it's going to go, but now I see you with all this potential or opportunity, blah, blah, blah. blah. Uh, and now you're doing this, this, and this, and then it's your call to action. And like, (laughs) No, Can you go do yeah. whatever? Can we just
0: skip to that? <laughs> they give
1: me like nine, a nine bullet point like thing. I found out from my therapist uh, later um, uh, that if you give a guy a mental health intervention that doesn't need it, it could can, can turn you schizophrenic. Oh, wow. So they got kind of rused by uh, a Christian psychologist
0: uh-huh.
1: into doing this. So, um, and I'm making jokes, right? Like, I'm like, you guys wasted a good intervention. I don't even have a gambling (laughs) problem with sex addiction or anything. They're like, this isn't funny. I'm like, you guys, you're going to realize how funny this This will be. You know, not now, not tomorrow. Tragedy plus time (laughs) equals comedy. They still don't. Yeah. But, uh, it was one of those things where it was like, I was already kind of had a weighted vest and was going on a marathon, uh, slog uh, from the separation out. And then this piled on top of it. Uh, was like here's here's some ankle weights yeah to do to uh keep going so you know um it's one of those things that if uh I listen to movie scores when I work out mm-hmm. um I love Hans Zimmer uh' um, the
0: Mohicans was is, is got me through law school
1: well I really I've obsessively watched the Dark Knight Rises because yeah. it was a lot of that the score's great yeah first off but like. It felt like a little bit of a hole, and I had to get out of it because I lost my sense of self through the the whole fighting separation, all that stuff. And so that it it had been a, a slow grind back to like now, basically. Has it
0: changed your comedy since? Have, have you noticed? Oh, I
1: didn't. I couldn't do it. Yeah, I'm not a guy. I, again, I'm a guy that I, when things are going at least adequately well, I can do stand up fine. But like. I'm better when everything's kind of humming. Yeah. You know, when works when I'm doing the work life day job, well, I'm doing the other things the the, you know, parenting well, that's I'm better that way, right? Right. Um when a lot of comics when they're they're depressed because I was definitely depressed, um they they get funnier somehow. I yeah. I don't have that.
0: No, I I get that. I I I t- the with me, I'm able to conquer the world when my relationship is good with my wife. When you know she's upset with me or whatever, I kind of collapse in on myself and can't really function. So I completely understand that.
1: Yeah. So a lot of it's been like a me working on going. I'm never going back to that. Yeah. I'm never. I'm never losing that sense of self. That's hard
0: though because that can make you gun shy to kind of go out and be you. All it made the way.
1: me. It, you know again I it's kind of a blessing in disguise it it made me really internalize mm-hmm. uh it made me really kind of go okay this is who you are it's not what she was telling you when she was mad and maybe not even really telling you what she really thinks cuz mm-hmm. who knows uh, right it, it, a lot of a lot of arguing a lot of calling out is projection you know yeah. that something you hate about yourself 100%. and so I was letting people tell me what I am and I was believing it. Because when you look at your spouse where you're like, she knows me better than I know myself. Right. And I really did. She did until, you know, until a certain point. Right. But I didn't, I couldn't understand that. And so a lot of that is going, okay, this, this, I'll never go mentally worse than that. Yeah. So kind of in a good way, like no one, no one can really like, I talked about it on stage. Yeah. Way, I, yeah. I, well, on stage, I'm like, um, no heckler's ever going to fuck with me. Like, yeah. I've heard it all. Like, yeah. uh, I did this hot mess show in December where you had to eat like 4 million scoville scale wings. And I'm a total puss. Yeah. But I did it because when they asked me to do it, I got like the shiver, like, oh, yeah. that makes me nervous. You had to do stand up before you ate these wings. And then you had to do stand up after. And then. Like I took one bite, and was like, "Fuck, I'm out," and I could barely talk. Like I yeah. was fucked, fucked up, uh, and the whole crowd's calling me pussy in unison.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> and, and I'm like, everyone's like, "God, that was brutal." I was like, "It's not shit, dude." I've had people follow me outside right, to right. fight. Like, yeah, that I'm if I, I just played up being a heel. I flicked them off and was like, "Yeah," uh, and then I just yelled because I couldn't talk for four of the five minutes. So it's just like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, real cool. Uh, stand up's not hard enough, but let's let's make this uh, let's make stand up extra hard by making sure you can't talk, yeah. kind of thing. And that's all I could like muster out. Right. And then I f- was like, "Fuck all y'all! <laughs> you love pain. You love watching this. This is like your kink."
0: It's like a car accident. I mean, a lot of people go to watch people fail, or go to watch people. You know.
1: No, and I knew that, but yeah. it was like, I, I I had a night, I had a strategy kind of before, because I was like. I don't think I'll be able to get through this, right? So I'm going to play a heel, on well, it. but but yeah, I I think of it, and we talked about this on. on uh, we're going to reference the podcast for 40 times, but the episode you were on yesterday on Sweat Equity was, you know, entrepreneurship is always kind of calibrating yourself. Um, y- it's you- a
0: vector. You're, you're never at a place of, you know, you can never get comfortable. As soon as you get comfortable, you're behind. You know, you've got to be looking at the next thing or changing how you do things. Cause what works, you know, when I, when I left the state attorney's office, everybody did direct mail. That was the thing that like, you know, and then everybody had websites and then everybody had social media, not, you know, videos. Now you, and well,
1: Now you got to do it all integrated marketing. You got to do
0: all of it and figure out the next thing. But I, you know, I always joke. Those you know, are
1: tactics though. You need to integrated marketing. You, you need to have your brand first, your strategy, then your, your brand. Then like, I can, I'll run through it real quick. Just, just cause I love this stuff. What do you want to do this year? All right, let's make it smart goals. Is it revenue? Okay. What's that revenue number? Put it on the board on the right side of your whiteboard. Go all the way to the left. We're here. How do we get to there? Okay. Right. It could be hiring. I want to hire two more attorneys. Okay. We're here. How do we get to there? All right. So you have your goals, your benchmarks. Let's make some, uh, let's make some quarterly benchmarks along the way. Okay, if we're making this much revenue, we're on our way. Okay, now, what's your brand? Who are you? What? What? Where do you exist in a niche? Right? For y'all, you're what they would, what a lot of branders in the in the law firm game would call a boutique law firm, mm-hmm. and that's fine. You're never going to compete with Morgan and Morgan. Right. You're going to be on on really customer facing client facing side, right? Because you really give a shit. So it comes out of you. The for anybody that's listening, when you have to figure out your brand, that internalizing thing I was just talking about, that will come through in your brand if you are if you own it. Right. In your business. So, I always tell clients, you need to go in the woods, take some shrooms and figure, figure out, out who you are, are yeah. because that's going to push through. Right. I want to know all the good things. You're a connector. You're a resourceful guy. I would play that up. What does that mean? That means, hey, maybe uh, you do the Jordan Harbinger thing. Where you take 10 minutes a day at 10 a.m. and you text five people on the uh, – that you roll down, you scroll on your text messages to the people you haven't texted the least in the last time and just text them and say, how are you doing? Yeah. You do these things. You you do this, – and this, this dovetails back to kind of fixing myself was like the dorkier I got, the more determined I got about the things I wanted to do and calibrate myself, the discipline is the ultimate freedom kind of thing. So for, for marketing for y'all, all all right, what do you love about family law? What do you hate about it? Okay. What do you know? What do you need to do to exist in the market? How many people know you exist? Now we're getting to the marketing part. Okay. Well, you've got opinions. How can we be efficiently getting those angles down and putting out content? Blogs are going to be your number one thing. Believe it or not, you could be one of the few boutique law firms that actually writes them. Yeah. Doesn't have a marketing doesn't agency. Doesn't have someone it. else
0: write articles on Kim Kardashian.
1: I, all I couldn't get my my uh, attorney clients to, I go, you dictate all the time. Yeah. You have ideas. Yeah. Just do it when you're in the car. Right. Just get efficient with that. Any of those weird 20 minute spurts you got where you're like, I got an idea for an angle. I was like, send me the audio file. I'll put it in otter.ai. We'll transcribe it. We'll make it a blog post. Now let's take that angle, and maybe we'll we'll record a video ad. The angle is the hard part. The opinion, the real life opinion you have about the industry you're in, that's the hard part. Now I want to take that, split into a bunch of mediums. Maybe we'll record you on video doing it. Maybe you'll have a podcast that you take time to clip that out. Uh you know, there's. Uh, I hope
0: my colleagues are listening to all of this.
1: Yeah, and then but Spent direct
0: gold, but.
1: But relationship marketing for yes. a lot of professional services, businesses is number one, right? So part of that is being proactive and and catching up with people. Mm. Or my mentor sends a – he sends about eight handwritten happy birthday cards post-dated. Oh,
0: fucking thank you snail- letters are brilliant. No, no. Happy birthday. I know, but I'm just saying.
1: I had a goal this year to send 50 out. Yeah. Every time I sent a thank you card, handwritten thank you card, I got booked again as a comic. Yeah. I was like, why did I stop doing that? Because I got in my own way. Yeah. Because I thought I was nerdy. I want to be romantic. Right. Well, really, all I did was kick the shit out of myself that I didn't do it later. Right. And I know I should have. Yeah. But I thought about it eight times and didn't do it. Yeah. So, stop thinking and do more, right? Right. That's probably – you probably have the same thing I've got with that. Yeah. You see the thing on the ground? Go pick it up.
0: Right. Don't think about Don't it Don't think about times. it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and so, that integrated marketing part, we're online, offline, right? You need – you know, do people know y'all exist or are they even aware of you? The awards and stuff that people It fucking want, kills me. Every time my come family
0: – Needs a free attorney. They come to me every time. It's something that they got to pay for somebody. Refer them out.
1: Like mother. Refer them out. It's conflict of interest.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because
1: you're at that point now. Yeah. Right. I mean, before you couldn't do it. Yeah. Now you know with that money ball part. Right. This is where I got to too, where I go. Oh, the price are what we bill. It just is. I know we're lower. Yeah. Than other people, and we do it better. Yeah because in a- agencies I look at all I I'm friends with 100 agency owners the <laughs> and I know a lot more a lot of them are really good at business development they never did the work yeah and by the time you figure it out you're fucked same same goes for a lot of people they don't they don't call three attorneys they call the person they know a lot of the time right so for for uh uh, uh kind of where you're at I'd say kind of a mature smaller law firm, you really got into this to probably help people, right?
0: For sure. Yeah. I mean, that, I, that that's the what's part the of the
1: juice, right? What's the thing you love?
0: The juice is, you know, I've got this case right now where uh, it's a, it's a kid who his wife or the mother of his child met a woman and they got married and they're trying to terminate his parental rights and have the new woman adopt his child. And, and this kid's a mechanic and, you know, doesn't have a pot to piss and all this other stuff. But we so clearly see what this case is when you can clearly feel like you are seeing what's happening and you know that there's a right side of this and a wrong side of this mm-hmm. and you're on the right side of it because you don't always get that. You, you're not always representing the good party. You're not always yeah. representing the innocent client. Sometimes you're representing the person who's keeping the kids from the other party for not good reason or whatever. And those are, you know, a little bit of your soul dies every day. But when you actually have the one that you can get behind and feel good about, that is the juice. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And yeah, not every client I had at my agency I liked sure. or really appreciated what they did as a business. Right. Right. But, you know, you can, you'll get choosier with that when you, you recalibrate that strategy and go, okay, I want to help guys like that. Yeah. You know, those, those are going to be this bucket of maybe 20% of our clients. Right. This other 80%, we really need to go after people that, you know, are going to keep the lights on, keep it profitable. The profit margin is just, it's a percentage. It just is. So we have to get there.
0: You have to be healthy to help the people who need it. You exactly. know, that's a big thing with, you know, I've I did always, way too much of that. Way oh, too, yeah. You give away your free time and stuff yeah. and you can't fucking, you're three months late on this bill, you're two months late on this bill. It's like- I want to help people, but I can't fucking pay my bills. So you gotta. So you become resourceful. Yeah.
1: Right. I would be like, okay, I can't help you. I started being able to go. If you really need help, uh, listen to this podcast I did. the The podcast we did became this little knowledge base. Yeah. I go. If you really, really need help, this is all I can do for you right now. But I tell you what, if you listen to these three things, I'm going to send you. We'll We'll talk while I'm driving in the car. Right. So like I mentor a friend uh, or not a friend, but uh, she had an app idea and I was like, okay, this year I'm only going to dedicate like four things I'm going to kind of volunteer my time to. Because uh, another thing is when you spread yourself Too to fun. help everybody, you can't help anybody. Sure. And so I go, here's how it's going to go. I'm I'm down to help you, but it's going to be like 20 minute scrum style meetings, you know, once a week uh while probably while I'm eating lunch at my desk but I'm happy to do it yeah and she she met me every time yeah she just got funding for her app and like couldn't be happier for her That's awesome. right i'm not everything for her i was just a little piece of that but i met her i know where she's at she didn't she didn't have a lot of resources growing up like bad family kind of stuff but she had a good idea and she had that like that that passion to do it and I go, this is a very ambitious app, but I'll I'll help you. But it's a two-way thing. It's not me going, here's here's everything. I'm just going to tell you where to go.
0: Yeah, you got to.
1: Yeah. And so, like, you figure out. That's why I became a psycho when I, we were talking about uh, anybody who wanted to do a podcast. I go, come by my office. I'll show you how to do it. I've got 15 minutes to do it. Right. But I'm going to do it quick. So, you better record it. And I'm yeah. not going to repeat it again. And yeah. it became like this. But that comes. Spiel. I'm resting bitch face. Yeah. And so. And also when you do it very like. Very uh, Asperger's-y.
0: Yeah. <laughs> People are like. They don't read Jesus it the right Christ, way. Yeah. What
1: a dick. And almost all of them wouldn't show up.
0: Yeah.
1: And I was like. I'll I'll do it. Put it on the calendar. Yeah. But. So you realize like. Make it. it, it, it there has to be a, con- a social contract with that part too. You know.
0: That's true. Well, before we wrap Sorry. up, you got sh- no, 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 no. we to rant mode. No, I don't know. We can do a whole other episode later on, on all this stuff. Or, I'm down.
1: I like, um, I like this.
0: So you're going to be going on stage tonight. Mm-hmm. Where are you going?
1: Um, There is a booked open mic, Matt Fernandez. Oh, yeah. Of the, one of the best writers in the country. Just I have known a lot of comics. If you go on Fat Hernandez on Twitter, yeah. I think he writes about seven to ten jokes a day on there. That's ridiculous. But he's
0: a fu- he's prolific. I love that. I love that. I you know I had this idea of of writing like daily lawyer jokes or something on social media or daily divorce jokes, but I was w- worried that maybe that would <laughs> not play well if you're treating well, divorce with too much levity. But I, I remember like. Uh, Who's the guy that that dated Amy Schumer and he's like real kind of dark and it was always punchline driven comedy? Anthony Jesselnik. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think it was, I think it was uh, Seth Meyers or who it was, but literally like they had to write like one joke a day, or something like it was probably more than that. Hundred, I mean, whatever. More, but no, he
1: would, I've, heard, I've heard him talk. Yeah,
0: about he'd me. come in and just bang it out, bang it out, turn around and leave, and everybody else would be like just killing themselves, right. agonizing over every joke. That's
1: insane. I can't do it like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Matt, Matt's been diligent. And he tells me he write he sits and writes ten a day at yeah. least. At least which I bought means- the
0: book that that talks about that like literally like you break down a sentence structure how you break down a joke structure. Jokes are magic tricks. Yeah. So if you see it coming, it doesn't work a misdirection. But and it's funny because. His delivery is a little bit stilted, and and but I I would still laugh because of how blue and how dark his you know oh, yeah. jokes about babies drowning in tubs sure and, you know uh, Casey Anthony and all these different things dude was to- like,
1: Tosh was like just yeah. was like that yeah. uh, I got to see my friend open for Larry the Cable Guy my buddy I mentioned Nick Hoff he now opens for uh, Larry the Cable Guy and I got to see uh, Dan Whitney's yeah. name and. Super cool,
0: chill. Like, and he doesn't have that accent in real life.
1: Or well, he's he from, used, the, he he's from this area. Yeah. My um, wife
0: met him back when she cheered for the Bucks.
1: Yeah. He, he's cool, Couldn't have been cool. Like, he came into Nick's green room while Nick and I were shooting the shit before the show. He's like, Can I come in here? And Nick's like, Yeah. It's your, yeah, fucking, it's your fucking show. Yeah. You can come in wherever you want. And it was just the three of us hanging out. Uh, Cause he's like, and he was like doing the thing, like the kid dazed and confused, like hitting the bridge of his, his nose. Like, God, there's just some drunk people. That came to, I don't, I, I barely know him, and they're in my. He's like, he's, and I was like, oh, he's bitching like we do, you know, yeah. like, and then so my buddy Nick's open for him. I'm, uh, like, off stage left, like behind the curtains and stuff, just watching in a folding chair from the side of the stage, and I got, I, I saw him and I were talking. He's like, God, this is all, this is all dog shit. This is all shitty. <laughs> this is all terrible. And then I was like, oh, fuck! I never realized. He has to do like a thousand one-liners. Yeah. to do an hour. Yeah, and I was like,
0: God That's damn, hard. dude, that is rough. Really hard, yeah.
1: So when people talk shit about him, I'm like, you don't yeah, realize he he's right. He's he writes them. He does like it's. I don't know. I it made me have appreciation for the one-liner stuff.
0: Yeah. Law, thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure. I we're feel done? like we. Can, I know, I know. It's a. It was a quick hour and a half, but um, we you got can, a family to go to or something. I do, I do. Yeah, my my wife is probably she's packing because we're going to be going out of town next week. I remember so
1: meeting she, your wife at that wedding too. Yeah. She's uh, very cool as well. She's
0: pleasant. Yeah, she's. I outkicked my coverage with her. So, <laughs> um thank you so much for coming on. I'm glad that we're getting to kind of uh, trade paint these days and you know be on each other's shows and hopefully i can come watch you perform and maybe we can grab a professional lunch and come back on and we can absolutely i think you know between comedy mental health business work all these things we could go in a bunch of different directions so Uh,
1: yeah i like the cut of your jib i think we're cut from the the same cloth
0: you know now okay simpsons episode do you do you (sighs) do you remember that one no oh mr burns who's his partner with the glasses smithers yeah smithers he goes Who's that goat who fell over there in the corner? I like the cut of his jib and it was like the devil had appeared in the corner and Monty burns like the cut of the devil's jib. And I've, I've, every time I hear that phrase, I remember that scene. It,
1: I love old school idioms like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: I always talk about my wife's getaway sticks and you know, all, all those types of things. So. Cocaine
1: straws, man. Cocaine straws. I'm gonna bar of that.
0: I, I may need to name. So I always name these episodes either after a song or an I artist noticed. or whatever, but if it's something comes up, so I might need to call this cocaine straws with,
1: that works. That's going to
0: do really well for both of us, I think out in the out in the you know, the ether.
1: Yeah, the <laughs> the, the place I work now, uh not like I did in the interview uh <laughs> and this is like a bigger like a bigger for me corporate kind of position, ex- executive style position, so it's like I feel like I'm a little bit kind of like a imposter syndrome coming sure. in there. But um <laughs> Uh, The interview with the CEO, 10 minutes in, he's like, listen to your podcast. And I was like,
0: oh, oh God, that's the word. <laughs> I was
1: like, I already, I had something prepared just in case, but he was like, you don't need to cuss that much. And I was like, you know, fair point. Uh, <laughs> YouTube doesn't like it. There's a good boy clock on YouTube. So we were working on that, you know, 10 minutes in, you don't want to talk about cussing and stuff. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I'm hopeful that, uh, That's not seen as who I am to him, but, you know, you work through it.
0: You got to be who you are, right?
1: Well, no, they knew what they were getting in that direction. I think they know me by now that uh, I, I don't say anything terrible I just, dick and fart jokes will always be funny.
0: Yeah. I was listening to, uh, it, it's not a great song. I have this, you, you know, you're, I, I was ending the show and now I'm going to go into a tangent. Um, <laughs> you know, I had this ability, you mentioned being a movie fan and I, I think it's probably the same with comedy and music. Like I can appreciate something that is objectively as a whole, not good. If there's parts of it that are worth, yeah. you know, whether it's a movie or a standup routine or whatever, but there's a, there's a documentary that came out not too long ago called sound city about. Dave Grohl buying the soundboard from Sound City where they recorded all these brilliant like Nevermind and faith was no that Moore. that
1: HBO one?
0: No, that's a different one. That's something Rhodes. I forget what that was called, but uh, similar similar concept. But he buys the soundboard from Sound City, which all these amazing out Fleetwood Mac met there and all this yeah. stuff. And I mean, there's probably more cocaine in this. I don't <laughs> know. See, it's amazing. Yeah, it's just an amazing talking. It's because we're in Florida, all right? Well, in any event. Um, he he does this one song called Ma- Ma- Mantra with uh, Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age and Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. And uh, the music of the song is pretty cool. The lyrics are kind of pack and shitty, but th- there's a line in there about a, a lion is a lion, no apologies. And so, you know, that's a dangerous mantra because that could, you know, permit you to be a massive dick and not care about it. But <laughs> getting back to you and me and being on this podcast, yeah. you know, there, there, there's there's law. You get the good and the bad, and and you, you know you are who you are. And yeah, people gonna, are
1: three dimensional, man. Right. You right. know, not everybody's saccharine sweet. Uh, Some people are coke straws. So yeah, and th- <laughs> I guess a vessel for other people. <laughs> a vessel a
0: vessel for new and, and you know, energizing well, this is a, adventures a,
1: a budding bromance, I, I feel so awesome.
0: Well thank you so much for coming on. I wish you the best of luck tonight. You'll have to text me after your set, let me know how it goes. Uh, if you want. Or text me during your <laughs> set and I'll feel real special.
1: I'll FaceTime you in,
0: man. All right. Thanks a lot.